In this bonus episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about robes filled with child corpses. Negotiating Christmas movies, especially Christmas horror. Weaving the reality of the story into fiction. Loving slash hating bad boys and lovable assholes. And crossing our fingers that Hollywood doesn't let us down in our discussion of The Afterlife of Holly Chase with author Cynthia Hand. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to talk to Cynthia Hand, author of The Afterlife of Holly Chase. Enjoy! It's so exciting. (laughs) It is. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Oh, thank you for having me. It, it's made our Christmas, honestly. It's so exciting to be able to talk. We, we, we figure with December, everybody's so busy, but, you know. Yay! Yes! Yay! <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was a nice surprise to get that message on Twitter, like, hey, let me join in. We're like, eee! Hooray! We're so excited! Okay! <laughs> book, book, book. We- I always love to talk about Holly Chase, so. We both got a little dressed up for this recording. I'm wearing all of my pearls because if you can wear lots of pearls, you should wear lots of pearls. And it was a nice fit. I agree. <laughs> that's that's a real <sighs> That's a life lesson right there. If you can wear lots of pearls, wear lots of Unless, pearls. Unless you know they're representative <laughs> of all of your misdeeds when you were a living person. Maybe it's not so great then. Well, that's that's just a warning, though. That's people telling you that's you being able to represent. I am a horrible person. <laughs> See how bad I am. That's just a visual representation. It's either that you get a badge that says "I suck." Ask me how. This is classier than you that. Know? Pearls are classier than okay. a suck we'll sign, which is something that's just now happened oh my gosh we need to we need to play would you rather and we're so it's so exciting to be joined by cynthia hand we just we're so happy that you're here with us i am happy to be here all right so claire what's our first question it is which ghost would you rather be marley the spirit of christmas past the spirit of Christmas present or the spirit of Christmas yet to come. And on Facebook, it was a split 50-50 between being Marley and the ghost of Christmas present. On Instagram, the ghost of Christmas present won with 42%. And on Twitter, again, the ghost of Christmas present won with 67%. Which I find very interesting. Yeah, that is super interesting. Um, I... What I I took it on Twitter, I think, and it and it was like zero for like some of the others, and I was like, oh really? Like, is it just because the Ghost of yeah. Christmas Present is sort of jolly and nice? Like, is that why people like that? I definitely it wouldn't be Marley, right? Like, Marley has no fun unless Marley's <laughs> wearing you know multiple strands of pearls. Well, and and Marley is wearing Marley's multiple got no strands chill. of pearls in my book. Right. 
Yeah. Marley's got no chill. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just you're an angry person. It's not good. We do have some comments that may be able to give some insight. Ooh, yeah. Okay. At Lightning Cats on TikTok said, The ghost of Christmas past. I would like a look in others' lives. I know it wouldn't be good life, but still. Okay. Scully Joe on Instagram said, Ghost of Christmas yet to come. It's my Claire, aesthetic. <laughs> you are Scully Joe. <laughs> That's Scully Joe. I'm not Scully Joe. Scully Joe is his own person. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Bree Tart on Instagram said, Spirit of Christmas Past. I want to be master of all things happy childhood memories. Colin on Facebook said, Marley for definite. He's the only one who has a chance of sticking around for more than one night. Plus, agree with his methods or not, but he had a bowl of time when he was alive. <laughs> that's a that's a really cool perspective i like it oh and finally annie on facebook said we were discussing similar at books and brews club yesterday and the point was made that christmas present gave you an gave you excellent opportunities for spying i mean researching people you currently know i think that's fine yeah i feel mm. like all of them do that but <laughs> but current day spying Current day spying is is pretty interesting. So that would make you the Marley eventually, though, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> if you're you, depending on what you're using this all that information for, you could you could join Project Scrooge after you die. It's hard to say. Hmm. So yeah. I, I definitely chose the Ghost of Christmas past, um, but maybe that's just because, you know, that that is what I focused on the most when I was writing. And and the Ghost of Christmas past is always floaty and cool. You know, present is like jolly and kind and the future is badass, right? Like out of those three. And I, I would pick any of them, but I think I still co- keep coming back around to the past because I like the idea of digging into people's past experiences to see what shaped them i think that's that sounds like the best for me oh that sounds really interesting how you've said it like that look i'm just going with Hmm. christmas future christmas yet to come because he's creepy with his creepy hood and his creepy pointing yes that is me that is my aesthetic the scary one in the dickens doesn't he like pull back his robe and there's like starving yes. children underneath yes you know, he's like... terrifying yes <laughs> he's terrifying beyond it's all terrifying reason, that is why i choose him oh i hate that bit it's the no. worst bit in the entire by worst thing. you mean best I hate it so much yes <laughs> but that scarred me as a child made me the person i am today awful <laughs> well that doesn't surprise me it just it gave me an inherent um, distrust of people <laughs> in robes. So, uh, I don't know. I'm tempted to go with Christmas present because I kind of like the idea of the the whole spying. The future's just so subjective. It's like in the book, Black Pearl's like Ethan's future's fuzzy because there's so many variables. I can't really say what's going on. So the future's just all uncertainty, and unless you know, it's definitely going to happen. It's kind of like, but you can also see into the future. But at least the press, <laughs> yeah. But again, it's hollow information because you don't know. Like, so you could put a different color hoodie on 
one day. You could decide to have tea instead of coffee and that changes the entire future. So what you are seeing is not necessarily what's going to happen. It's, you know, it's not the sports almanac effect. You're not getting that kind of Mm. solid piece of information to be able to manipulate the future. You will not turn into... Biff. But what if I? But I want to Biff Tan in myself. We've had we talked about this in one episode a long, long time ago. How we were going to Biff Tan. We we we've talked about Biff Tanning. We've talked about Biff Tanning a lot. Yeah, the Biff Tan effect. We've talked about that a lot. But you can't do that with these ghosts because there's too many variables. It's mm. the butterfly effect. And the past. Mm. I do that every night because my brain just constantly lives on and I relive the stupidest things that have happened like from my entire existence constantly um, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite tired of that so probably present because at least yeah. not Marley, Marley's a jerk yeah I want to say <laughs> ghost of Christmas present because at least you, like, like Annie says there's a spying opportunities um, and you're probably more able to affect what happens now than you were able to necessarily yeah and also you know dave's just the coolest guy oh dave's cool dave was amazing dave Dave gives the best hugs bar none i love dave this handsome beard as long as you could turn it off right like i wouldn't like to know what people are thinking all the time like yeah that might be terrible yeah See, you could still be the ghost of Christmas present, but you could have the aesthetic of the ghost of Christmas mm-hmm. yet to come, you know? Your, 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 the outfit choice is up to you. You don't have to have green velvet robes and a laurel leaf. You okay. Go for full with golf. a robe with starving children on the inside? I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> on board. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. You and you could have you could have like swear like um, yeah stitch all over mm. and people have to look at it and go hey yep. that says a naughty yep. word it's like yeah it yeah, does that's me yeah okay it does. <laughs> all right next question okay. would next you question. rather be Holly or Ethan uh, I definitely would rather be Holly. <laughs> um, I think it's just whenever you write from a person's point of view, you have to walk in their shoes. And I've walked a lot in Holly's shoes and uh, I really connected with her. Um, And so, and I like the idea of having a second chance or being able to like fix something you screwed up, you know? Um, So like, I really connect with that more with Holly. Claire, Mm. what about you? Holly's Holly's a genuinely horrible person at the beginning. It's like when we discussed it, like, you, you felt rage. I did. Holly, that that first like bit, I listened to this on my way to work, and Holly's terrible attitude like put me in a mood all day. <laughs> I was so angry at everyone. I was like, "It's damn you, Holly Chase." <laughs> <laughs> That's why I pick Ethan. I mean, just really for that reason alone. Also, he's a lovable asshole, which is my favorite type of character. But, I mean, just the rage. The Holly rage that I felt all day in real life makes me choose Ethan. (laughs) I'm exactly the same. Exactly the same. Ethan is the lovable asshole. 
He he is effectively quite harmless. He just needs to grow up a bit. Whereas Holly was genuinely a bitch. She was the worst. Oh, but then she was so good at the end. Hmm. Yes, which is why it's yes. a satisfying redemption story and why mm. it's been written so well. If you if, to feel those two spectrum of emotions, to feel that rage and that hatred towards a person, to put you in such a bad mood, but then actually feel really quite like, oh, I want to be friends with this person on the other end of the scale. Yeah. That's amazing writing. So thank you very much, Cynthia. That was brilliant. You've done a fantastic job with this book to be able to. To, to do that spectrum of emotions in 300 X pages. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Ethan. I'm always attracted to writing about people who are selfish. Like almost all of the main characters that I've um, written in any of my books have a real selfish streak in them because I think of that as being one of the like biggest things that we have to face, you know, in our lives as human beings is like how to handle to have self-respect and and to value yourself but also not to sort of handle your own selfishness and i feel like uh that is something that we struggle with in our society more and more you know and uh so i i like to write about people like that and i love writing i loved writing holly being bad and i always find it really interesting that people are so much um, more likely to forgive male characters who are bad than female characters mm-hmm. who are bad. Like, mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say they spent like a day in rage over how horrible Ebenezer Scrooge was. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm playing right into your hands here. But oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but it's not acceptable for young women to be like that. You know, whereas when men are like that, we're like, okay, you know, well maybe you can grow. You know, but. We, we have a lot less mm. forgiveness for women that way. So I think that's interesting. Like, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean- Do you I, think it's because women are expected not to be selfish where men, we expect men to be selfish assholes. So you, you just brush just, it off. They're already terrible. They're you, constantly terrible. Society's been, <laughs> yeah, society's been, been, been bred to realize that men can be selfish assholes, that they're allowed to do what they want, and the woman's place is to do X, Y, and Z and be demure and pretty and always defer to the male in their lives. And that's why a woman is not allowed to be such a raging, horrible person. Uh, yeah, I mean, Whatever I think it's is fine probably equal like men and women who are assholes but like uh but you know in the world but i think in in terms of like what people want their stories to be about too you know like i think they're less forgiving of fictional women you know um i've gotten a lot of comments about holly over the years because this book was what 2017 Mm. when it came out you know like Mm. so over the years i've gotten a lot of comments about how insufferable holly is you know and i'm like do you have that same reaction to like to Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, like um, or any number of sort of like characters who are like bad, like we kind of find bad boys charming, mm-hmm. right. And interesting and attractive in their way, but bad girls, you know, they just don't have that same appeal. But I think it's interesting. I'd like to challenge that when I can, you know, but I think, um, the book was published and watching people's reaction to it too has been really interesting for me like to see um the difference in how people treat Ethan and Holly also you know I also think it has to do with yeah. I mean a lot of 
YA readers especially are girls. And so they're maybe they're putting themselves into her shoes and they hate it because they're like, holy shit, am I being this terrible? I don't want to be this terrible. So (laughs) she can't be terrible because that means I'm terrible. So maybe it's something like that. Projection is a bad thing. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. Yeah, I could. I could now you I just need to write that. a gender swapped version, and see what happens. <laughs> it is a gender. But swap version. it back. Swap <laughs> it back and make it Ethan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting so to see if people would would hate him as much. You know, um, but I, I, the the problem I say the problem thing is with me with Ethan, in the book, Holly and the rest of. Project Scrooge say it. Why is he a Scrooge? Like the question because he's not because he's not the Scrooge because he's a plot device and he's not <laughs> exactly. That's right. He's not exactly. as bad as Holly for sure. You know, like he yeah. is on the road to becoming a Scrooge, but he isn't there. You know, so yeah, no. he's not as bad. I, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I'm not trying to forgive him as even as a character, but he's. He can be a bit of a, a a garbage person during the book, but not that bad. Like he's not he's nowhere near Holly's level at all. No. So there's a, there's all, there's always the opportunity that he just grows up and decides. You know what? Like if you think about his relationship with Dent, he was horrible to Dent, but now he's friends with Dent because actually he realizes Dent's a nice guy. So there's all, Ethan has that capacity in him to actually potentially like other people he just needs to fix his relationship with his family whereas holly just needs to really wipe everything clean start again and not be such a horrible person i really think that ethan's turning point wouldn't have had anything to do with holly like i really think that night when he challenged dent to make out with the hot chick at the party and then he like politely asked her to i think that was his moment he's like oh man i'm being so shitty to dent and look how great he is and but then he went on that date and he asked yeah. uh, he asked tori if it was her time of the month which was pretty shitty too like oh so that's pretty bad so <gasps> So maybe what I just that said was is the worst. <laughs> he doesn't come off very well in that. That might just be a boy oh reaction. Oh my gosh! No, I don't know how much that is a boy reaction though. You never, ever, ever, ever say to a girl, "Oh, is it your time of the month?" You you deserve yeah, every slap punch, you just get. Just punch at that him point. and move on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hate that scene so much. It made me so so angry. Don't question my menstrual cycle. He's just so annoying in that whole section. All he wants to do is make out. He's not paying attention to the things she wants him to pay attention to. You know, he's he's just yeah, he really dials it up. Oh. I still love him though. Yeah. Okay. Just just Mm. proving your point earlier. Can't help it. See, I don't love Ethan. I Ethan is for me the plot device. I loved the relationship that That's Holly developed. That's true. You with did like Moore. that, and I mean, my favorite character was Dave. So I can't say I can't say that you know I loved <laughs> Ethan because because Dave was the best. True. True. Next question: 
Would you rather have Holly's invisibility hoodie or be able to see into the future like Blackpool? Ooh. You can have the robes with the children underneath if you really, really want. I, I mean, can have the child robes. No, I wouldn't want. <laughs> On a practical level, Blackpool. I think it would be extremely useful to see into the future. Um, the hoodie would be really cool, you know, but I think if I had to pick between one or the other, I would pick... Um, I would pick the future. Same Me the too. Future. Me too, for sure. Now nah, I'm going hoodie all the way. Would I, I, that? What does that say about me? That I'm quite happy to be invisible. <laughs> if you want power and visibility, that yeah, you're you sneaking no into places and burgling um, stuff. No, I want the hoodie. I don't want to sneakily see seeing all the movies. Yeah, I'm just shenanigans. Like tying people's shoelaces together. If if there's room for shenanigans, I'm going for it. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me started on shoelaces right now. No, if there's room for shenanigans, I'm there for it. I don't necessarily want to see the future because Blackpool doesn't seem to have a fun time with it. It seems to be very negative what he sees and I don't... If you saw the death of somebody who you were close to, you have to live with that. And I couldn't... I could. I don't... That's not a response. That's not a responsibility that I want to have. But are you... Which is probably why the best would be past, because then you can change the past. But you... mm, no, I wouldn't want that, that responsibility. But is he always seeing all the horrible, grisly deaths all the time, or is it only because he's working at Project Scrooge? You know, like what if, you know, when you see him in the office, he's like, "Oh no, terrible deaths." But you know, when he goes home for the day, he's able to see into the future. You know, to get the sports almanac and Biff Tannen himself. It could be good. It's maybe only terrible while he's in the office. Well, and probably not all the time, even then. You know? he, yeah, he might see good mm. stuff. I think Blackpool is so annoyed during this book, you know, because um, because I think he's being asked to not be completely mm. truthful about mm. what he sees, too. And But he doesn't like to lie. And so it just makes him really grouchy to have to, like, come up with things that are sort of like half-truths and and to be very vague when he's not normally very vague, I think that makes him really annoyed. So I don't think that's normal I think he's re- situation for Blackpool. Yeah. I think he's really annoyed because all he sees in, in the future is Ethan making out with Holly constantly saying, oh, for God's sake, you two. Put it away. <laughs> it's a little creepy, though, seeing that. And you just, like, see yeah, Holly across the hall in the office and, like... I don't I know what you're doing. I know what you're going to get up to next week. <laughs> get a room. <laughs> oh, but then at the same time he's not seeing all of that because I mean, Holly gets reset, so he can just see other things. He's seeing her new future yeah, over again. Right. And Ethan's not even around then cuz he's 12. He's seeing Gideon chases <laughs> That's true. He's seen Gideon and Chase's latest um, Hollywood blockbuster oh. before it becomes a Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah, That'd be quite cool. He knows which movie's going to be the best. Mm. So clearly we all need to be Blackpool <laughs> right now. So everyone needs to be Blackpool. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um, okay. Next question. Would you rather be called Havisham, Dorrit, or Copperfield? Forget any of their story or whatever they're doing. Any of their, you know, any of their 
Dickensian stories. The Dickensian yes. origin. It's just your name. Which name do you pick? Uh, I'm not cool enough for Copperfield. Um, Dorrit still strikes me as being sort of annoying. And so I will go for Habersham. Nice. It's just a fun sounding name. I wish. I, I, I too am going for Havisham because it sounds like you could be part of some kind of detect- detective agency. And that's a reason I, I pick a lot of things is because it sounds like some kind of Victorian detective agency. <laughs> Including whiskey. Look, I want to pretend that I'm cool enough to be Copperfield. With my robe full of child corpses. I'm just going to combine them all into one character. Well, and Dave's your favorite right. character, right? So yes. that makes sense too. See, it's perfect reasoning. <sighs> that was an easy one. Is our last one? Is our last one easy? No, our last one's really fun. What's our last one? Would you rather spend Christmas in California or in New York? I've done one of those. You've, you've done one in California and New York? No, I've done one in California. I was five. Does that count? I don't think that counts. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that counts. Doesn't count. Technically done it. I would pick New York, um, okay. if only because I like Christmas to be with snow. Um, and I used to live in California. I actually lived in uh, near Malibu when I wrote Holly Chase. Um and there were always daffodils in my front yard on Christmas Day, which to me just somehow felt wrong. <laughs> I was like, no. That's weird. Um, and I have, I have not been to New York at Christmas, but I have been to New York in the winter and, um, you know, been in Times Square when the snow was falling. And I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty amazing. So I would definitely pick New York. It seems more mm. fitting. It seems more Christmassy. I haven't spent... Christmas in either of those places, but I did live in South Florida for a while, and at Christmas time it was weird because you know it's not cold at all, but there's like all these snowflake decorations everywhere, and they made a sand castle Christmas tree, and everyone was super excited about it. And like you go on the beach and see the sand tree, like that just doesn't scream Christmas to me. So I think I'm going to join you in New York just for the winteriness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love New York. I've not been in the winter. I've only ever been to New York in the summer, and I've said this before. I would happily move to New York. It's such a glorious city. Um, so having Christmas there would be oh bliss. I will one day go for probably not for Christmas, but certainly sometime in December for the lead up to Christmas. I'll do that one day. Go ice skating at the Rockefeller Center and yes. fall on my ass. It sounds like a fun That's time. Lovely. Yeah. There are definitely things I miss definitely. about California in the winter, though. So, <laughs> not having to shovel snow to or dig yourself out or scrape your car. And yeah, and there's just, it's just, there's some nice things about that. Um, but but yeah, for New York, for and that Christmas is the worst Day. thing about winter weather: is waking up in the morning and thinking, "Do I have to do that?" Mm-hmm. You have to get up early if it's winter weather to like check to see if you need to dig your car out, 
And if you do, you just want to, like, slowly die inside. <laughs> Serious. But if you were in California, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Well, no. Unless there was a freakish cold snap, and then Final Destination style, you get <laughs> murdered viciously by a vehicle <laughs> as you come out of your yoga studio. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We loved all of the Final Destination style accidents that happened in this story. It cracked us up while we were doing our summary. But um, anyway, that's the end of Would You Rather. Now we need to talk about other things. And I feel like we should just talk about all the Final Destination style murders and the fact that in our background information that I found, you were inspired by Cabin in the Woods when you wrote this one <laughs> that was wonderful yes yeah, somewhat <laughs> yeah i love stories in which like you mix the mundane with the supernatural so like i really loved like i can't say i loved cabin in the woods but i really really loved the scene where they were all like betting <laughs> on what things you know like there was a sort of office pool and then they like asked each other how their kids were and there was like you know an office party and like all of these things so they had this like really mundane office life and but then they were doing this really supernatural thing and i thought that was just delightful i loved that um and for the same reason i love movies like um uh monsters inc there's a little bit of a monsters inc reference in in holly chase too and um where where you've got this sort of mundane job and then the supernatural element to it and that's always really fun so yes that's that was part of what inspired me to write um holly chase and project scrooge the way that it it was it was really great it made me love it even more yeah yeah because i really do love cabin in the woods i know you said you can't love it but i do i love love horror especially when it's like cheesy it's a little bit over the top for me but i i do think it's very very fun you know, and I, I really like it. I think it's, if you've ever worked in an office, you relate hard to that kind of situation. And then you kind of like, are the monsters really monsters? Or do I just work with them? And it's like, yeah, I, I related hard to Cabin in the Woods. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's campy delightful. Did me. you want to sacrifice someone to the ancient gods? I constantly want to sacrifice people to the ancient gods when I went to the office. I had a list. Everybody had a list. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's not talk about that anymore. Let's let's talk about Christmas because this is our you know, one of our Christmas episodes. We gotta be Christmassy. So what are your Christmas traditions? Cynthia, what do you do? Um, well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this and like, I do, we do more of our things on Christmas Eve than Christmas day. I think Christmas day usually is about everybody sort of, um, relaxing and opening their gifts and then like enjoying each other and their gifts, right? Like there's not as much tradition around that day, but, um, so I always have the big dinner on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas because I don't like to cook on Christmas. And it's usually a big ham. And then all Christmas Day we eat ham and scrambled eggs, ham sandwiches, ham, this ham soup that I make. So like it's all leftovers in various different ways. So like um, we usually have that. Um, and on Christmas Eve, then after dinner, we all get in like pajamas, 
we usually get new pajamas for that for that time and I let my kids yes. open one present. We all open one present and we all watch a Christmas movie together and we end the night by reading the night before Christmas. That's fun. Generally. Do you watch the same Christmas movie every time or is it That's a different awesome. one? No. Um, although a lot of times it is a Christmas story, but um, no, it's, it's generally, you know, there's usually an argument. <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> not a bad argument just like there's just some negotiations that happen about what the what the christmas movie is going to be that night but um but it has been a lot of times a, a christmas story um or a muppet christmas carol that's yeah. my favorite christmas yeah that's carol. the best one thank you that's the best thank one. you i will say the second best is arthur christmas have you ever seen that or was that intensely british no, is it excessively british we have seen it i just i don't think we've seen it very often so i don't like have it memorized in the same way but you're right like i should i should make a case for that one this year <laughs> oh it's it, amanda if you haven't seen it it's arvin Adm animation so the people who did wallace and gromit so it is excessively british i'm sorry james mcelvoy plays arthur christmas who's the son of santa it's a full British cat. Basically, if they've been in Harry Potter, they've voiced somebody in this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's brilliant. The elves are all like military trained operatives. And it's not a sleigh. It's a giant spacecraft. And they all deliver the presents. And they've got to deliver this one present to this one girl who got missed in Trelew. See, it's no matter hilarious. what you tell me, I'm not going to enjoy it because I don't like Christmas movies. Like, A Muppet Christmas Carol is as Christmassy you... as I get, and that's the only one that I even halfway care about. We had a conversation the other day when, at work when we went for our festive lunch, and it was decided that Arthur Christmas is the one Christmas movie, other than Muppet's Christmas Carol, because that's untouchably brilliant, that people who don't like Christmas movies will watch and laugh mainly because of Grand Santa and how ridiculous Grand Santa is. And he's like, but women didn't, they didn't think they could teach women how to read. And these are the grandchildren of the great eight. It's Donna, Ditson, Donna and Blitzen, Cupid and, and, and Bambi and, and you with the white ears and you and you. And then you look at all the little details in the background and it's the to-do list and the bottom is always says whiskey and that one's ticked off. It's just brilliant. It's it is. If you can watch it, watch it. Yeah. It's fun. No, give me Christmas horror. I'll take that. I will take Christmas horror. Have you seen Scrooge? Yes. <gasps> There's yes. a big debate in the publishing house, you know, among my editors about whether or not they like Scrooge because, you know, as we were writing and working on this book, I I always liked it. It was funny, but I don't know that it's aged well. No, it hasn't. <laughs> but I mean, I love Bill Murray, so. There was a Krampus movie out a couple of years ago that was hilarious. It was a horror movie and the Krampus comes and chases them all around and reanimates a lot of the toys and the gifts and things. And I can't remember what life... It... You know when something's so ridiculous and so funny, but you just blank out? It's like a really funny joke. You just cannot remember the punchline properly. It's the same with this Krampus movie. I can't remember the details other than I was laughing. Maybe I need to watch that one. It. I haven't watched that one. I always watch, I always yeah, watch Jack a... Frost. Not the Michael Keaton one, mm, the other it. one, no. the scary one. I always watch that one at Christmas time. Oh. It's terrible, but it's my favorite. 
have you seen Rare Exports? It is, I want to say it's Swedish. Samuel L. Jackson did a movie with them uh, a couple of years ago, and I can't remember what that was called, but Rare Exports. They they solve the the mystery of what Santa is. Um, And basically, Santa's this evil... uh, The Santas that you know, like shop mall Santas and things, that the kids sit on the knees every year and, and tell them what they want is not actually the Santa. The Santa Claus itself, it's like this big Krampus kind of monster that they have to try and bury back into the ground. Um, And they capture all these Santa Clauses, inverted commas for our audio listeners, um, and have to trap them because they've eaten all of their reindeer. And they're the evil elves. (laughs) And they hunger for the children they go into it's like a the Santa story mixed with the Krampus story. They go into the bedrooms and they steal the children from the beds to eat them. And um, these this bunch of deer farmers find out what the heck's going on and then have to stop them. And it turns out this big mining company released the big, the big Santa. Yeah. It's it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. And honestly, you need to watch it because it's it is a it is a horror movie it Mm. is hilarious it's dubbed if you really really want to watch it dubbed but i watched it in the original with subtitles the uh the first play that i did when i was in college was this um play called reckless and i think there is a movie like an old movie of it but it was a situation where it like opens with like a woman whose husband has hired a hitman to kill her on christmas (laughs) and so she ends up and then he sort of thinks better of it and tells her. So she ends up like sliding down her roof and running off into the snow in her pajamas and, you know, on Christmas Eve and then um, and running away and like, you know, coming up with a different life. And and then she keeps having terrible, horrible things happen to her on Christmas and she'll get her life together. And then like another bad thing will happen to her on Christmas. And uh yeah, so there's like poison champagne and all of this stuff, and it, yeah, and I was an elf, so like uh, it was my first college role, and I was an elf, and the elves are in like every scene, like stalking <laughs> her, you know. So that was fun, and uh, definitely, uh, you know, played into the like we would like change the set too, so it was like the elves were orchestrating <laughs> everything and. It was it was really you an fun. elf on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I wore um like the green tunic and like the stripy tights and like green converse. And uh yeah. Nice. It was fun. We were always like the background characters of every scene. So if there was a scene in the doctor's office, then we'd be in you know, one of us would be a nurse and another one of us would be sitting in the waiting room with a magazine, you know, like and so it's just like elves everywhere. Um so that was was really fun. But it is kind of like a Christmas horror, you know, like it's not it's not meant to make you feel all like warm and snuggly about Christmas. That's it. I, I like the idea of like I, I at work as I'm because I work from home, I'll put a lot of like the Netflix Christmas movies on the really, really, you know, like the princess switch and all those really terrible ones and have them in the background. But. I really enjoy like Christmas horror movies because it's like a Christmas carol and like the like the afterlife of Holly Chase Christmas needs to be a bit spooky it needs to have some creepiness to it because at the end of the day a jolly old fat man is breaking into your home 
leaving things for you, either corn or presents, eating your food, drinking your your drink, and then walking away. And this happens every year. It's kind of a creepy tale. So I like the I like having the element of yeah, horror just, at Christmas. Just gotta make it as terrible as it can be for me to enjoy it. It was an original critique of Dickens when he published A Christmas Carol was that there was too much of this sort of macabre, you know, like there were these ghosts and all this supernatural, creepy stuff going on, you know. I like it. I'm there for it. Hmm. Hmm. There's this probably the two school of campers and the, the people who want Christmas to be all romantic and you've got to have a white Christmas and before Christmas Day, you've got to have the I love yous and the other people are like, nope, visit me with some ghosts. I want the shit scared out of me. I want the chains, (laughs) the jangling pearls. Yeah, that's what I want. That's Christmas for me. I I want to be Project Scrooged. But I I don't think I'm that bad. I don't think I'm bad enough to be a Scrooge, but like, can I work for Project Scrooge? I can be an intern. Yeah, I'm, I'm too old yeah, to be an be intern, but I would like to work for Project Scrooge. What would you do? What would you want to do, Project Scrooge? Though, mm. I don't know. I mean, I would be the. I would like to be the Marley Wrangler. That'd be talks. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. I'd go like find the Marley and convince them to do their yeah, part, like a ghost hunter. And, yeah, talks would yeah. be good. Yeah, that'd be, that's a whole other series of books. <laughs> yes. Um, that Tox wasn't in very much, and I wanted to know more about Tox as a character, which was a shame. But it seems like she, she has to have her own series. <laughs> that would be fun. I would like that. Um, yeah, I mean... She just has, I didn't want to dig too much into the, like, there's only so much gold dust that you have that that you can make people believe wild and incredible things. You have to be careful where you spend it. (laughs) And, uh, which is something that I uh, think I originally heard from Carrie Ryan when I was starting out, you know, but um, yeah, it's a, I didn't want to use a lot of gold dust on talks, like explaining how she did what she did and all of that stuff, but. Oh, I don't need to know the the where's and the white falls and the, the mechanics of it all. I just want to know who. I just want to follow her around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just put the hood on, hoodie on, and go follow Tox around. I'll be her intern. Does that count? Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and then you just like not at Christmas time. You just become a Ghostbuster with her. Yeah. See, that's what I liked about it when it was like. Oh, by the way, there's a time tunnel. Yes, we have yep. a time tunnel. It's like <laughs> science. <laughs> I also really like that bit where she's like, "Okay, and now we're gonna pass some time with a montage." <laughs> I loved it. That's where I'm jealous of screenwriters. You, know? <laughs> you can form like a whole relationship. We did a little bit of that, in, I think, in Calamity Jane too, where it was like, "Okay, now we're gonna do that part where." You see a map and you see the character's <laughs> little figure going along on the map, you know, like, you can't really do that. Had the Indiana Jones style mm-hmm. music going over the background of the spine. <laughs> yeah, 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 we've got that. <laughs> no. Montages are fun. 
Yeah. So are there any other historical figures or books that you want to tackle and put your own spin on? Because like you said, you've, you've mentioned Calamity Jane. We know you've done um, Lady, Grey, Lady Jane Grey, um, Jane Eyre, which is a bit of a mix with the historical mm-hmm. um, and the real. And now we've got Holly Chase and My Contrary Mary with Mary Queen of Scott, which was released this year um, with your co-authors, Geordie Meadows and Brody Ashton. So who else do you want to do a spin of? Yeah, um, I feel like that's what the Janes get to do. Um, so the next Jane book, which I had just a blast writing, is about Mary Shelley. Oh, um, that one's called nice. My Imaginary Mary. And yeah, and we just had a blast writing that. Like, it, it was just really fun to be that playful with um, with Mary Shelley. And the other one of the other characters, the three characters are Mary Shelley, Ada Lovelace, and um, a robot boy <laughs> that they build together. So like... Um, it has a little bit of Frankenstein, but it really doesn't have as much Frankenstein as you would think for a story about Mary Shelley. Like you can see that where the impetus for writing Frankenstein will come in Mary Shelley, but it isn't a story about Frankenstein or, you know, reanimating corpses. Well, there's a little bit of reanimation of corpses, but not much. Uh, Which (laughs) was largely to do with imagination and magic and, uh, you know, like those sorts of things, but it was just really fun to like research that and then be able to twist those stories and the little things about uh, the real people into this really like cute and uh, playful story about them. So that was, I just finished that and that was really fun. We're working on a third Mary, but we're kind of stuck on it right now. So we're, we haven't quite pulled the trigger on on who it's going to be yet, so I can't really talk about that one. But but it does like scratch my itch of like researching, you know, a historical figure or a story that we really like and, and drawing that in and being able to retell it. So um, I love I love writing those books. I'm trying desperately to try and think of famous Marys that I know of, and the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Typhoid Mary. We were gonna. We actually were supposed to write about Typhoid Mary um, instead of Mary Shelley. So, like that was supposed to be our second book. Like, if you looked at our like initial um, announcement in Publishers Weekly, it would have said, you know, that the first one was going to be about Mary Queen of Scots, and then the second one was going to be about Typhoid Mary. We started writing it right before the pandemic hit. Oh. You know, like working on it, and then quickly yeah. realized that like it was going to be way too too close to home and that also like having a protagonist who I always really felt that um that typhoid Mary it made sense why she didn't accept what the medical professionals were telling her she wasn't sick you know she didn't feel sick and there was a lot of prejudice against Mm -hmm. Irish people and against poor people and they were basically like you're sick you're making other people sick quick come and let us cut your gallbladder out and throw you in i mean to be fair if somebody's knocking on the door and saying that to you out of no no forewarning just you are sick come with us so i've read a little bit about typhoid mary and listened to a couple of podcasts about her you're not going to believe them especially given how brash and exceedingly irish typhoid mary (laughs) was yes so 
it just seems like it was going to be a recipe for trouble for us to write about um to write about that but i still like really felt for her and and i'm sad that we didn't get to write about uh, to write about that but i do think it would have been very difficult to write a story in which the protagonist is someone who just would not listen um to the the medical advice and and made other people sick and was responsible for their death yeah that does so that is that is pretty harsh given our current climate Mm. yeah so is byron in your mary shelley take very much because i find byron hilarious like i don't understand (laughs) why he's romanticized yes he wrote poetry but my gosh if you look at the story of the guy in his real life there's a (laughs) there's a hotel near where i live um, and when we were going to get married, um, we went and checked it out and they said, oh, you can get married in the Lord Byron suite. I said, oh, right. That's not appropriate. And they were like, well, why? And I gave the explanation and I was quickly escorted off the premises. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Byron is Ada Lovelace's father. Um, so there, there are some scenes with Byron in them, and um, I don't know that I don't know that we're extremely complimentary to either Percy Shelley or Lord Byron in the book. You know, I think yes. we, uh, I, I, I personally think Percy Shelley was the worst, <laughs> and so like uh, maybe that comes through a little. Like there is a, you know, the beginning of the book, Percy Shelley is sort of Mary's secret boyfriend, and like one of the notes I kept getting, you know, in the editing was that they, it wasn't very believable (laughs) because I just loathed him so much. And so it was hard to have Mary, like not seeing him the way I saw him, you know, but, um, but yeah, I don't think Byron and or Shelley come come off very well in our book. And I think they deserve that. So (laughs) that's that's my two cents about Byron. I hope Mary Shelley enjoyed having Percy's heart on her desk and used it for inspiration <laughs> for her life because it's glorious. And in these books, you know, you always make it the story, of, you know, how it should have been. So I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait to read it and see. Yeah, it's exciting. I think one of the things I love the most about it is that there is so much of the actual history in any of our books, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that. So like there's so many little details and and in Holly Chase mm. also um I went while I while I was working on Holly Chase was about the same time that we were writing uh, My Lady Jane and we went to England um for a while and I went to the Dickens house in London and I just like a lot of the things I describe in Boz's office are like actual things I saw in That's the Dickens cool. house you know like there's just oh, wow. like the green sofa and the like the way that the carpet is and like all of those things are described as close as I could render to what I actually saw in like Charles Dickens drawing room, you know, Um, which are things that the reader is never going to get. And like, they're just like little small things, um, but ways of me weaving like the reality of the story into, into the fiction. I love that. And the Jane books give me a great um, opportunity to do that. And, but there, there is just a lot of, real things hiding in in those in our sort of silly fun stories I love that. So it's always fun for me 
Does anybody want to tackle by yourself? Is then like the, the Geordie and Brody are like, oh no, no, I don't think it's our story, or you know that that's your you kind of going. Mm. We've talked to you know you've as you've had these conversations with people. You're like, this isn't appropriate to do with the Janes, but it might be appropriate for me to do it. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have a few. I always have a few stories on my back burner, but I don't. I don't think any of them. On the very very back burner, I have like an, a, a Romeo and Juliet story that's a little bit turned on its head but like i don't know you know it'll be years before i i you know come around to that but i don't think i have any like right now current back burner stories that are for myself like on my own that are retellings um but i do love that as a genre so i wouldn't rule it out for the future okay so excellent i love stories yeah, that have been spun it's so fun, fun. Because, like, you know, you know the stories and, like, well, how, what if this happened? What if it went this way? What if it had a happy ending instead of a terrible one? Like, I like that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. What if... <laughs> we still giggle about in um, My Lady Jane about, call me Jean, yeah, and he turns into a horse. We still it. giggle about that. <laughs> Being a horse. So good. <laughs> oh. Um, so what about your other books that you write you write a lot of like inspirational contemporary stuff too like where do you get those ideas what inspires you who inspires you um when i write my more serious stuff um it tends to come from uh something that i i feel like i have something to say about so so i've written three i don't know if i'd call them inspirational but they are more con- like more serious contemporary novels. So I've written one about um, the consequences and after effects of teen suicide, which is very serious. Um, one about adoption and like the different sides of the adoption triangle and one about um, first times and virginity and, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, and generally it, those, I'm just inspired by something that I feel like I have to say about that subject. Um, I definitely started writing that the first one, um, the last time we say goodbye, which is about teen suicide in response to what I felt like was becoming an increasing trend in romanticizing suicide among teens, like a lot of books coming out in which there was a romance and a suicide. And, um, and that was something I felt very strongly about because I have that, uh, experience in my family and I wanted to write something that just would, de-romanticize it in fact i think i i try to write those stories to de-romanticize things um that i think have been overly romanticized in in fiction so the the um with you all the way which is the one that just came out last year which is is about first times and and sexuality and and virginity and all that is also like a very de-romanticized look at that subject in you know, in a field where I feel like that's been very romanticized. There's a lot of like sweeping romance and there's not a lot of this sort of awkward bumbling, you know, and, and conversations about consent and, you know, like how completely um, baffling and awkward it is to be a teenager thinking about those things instead of, you know, just being swept up into it the way that it always seems to happen in, in novels. So generally it is, yeah, like I'm, I'm just inspired by what, um, by what I'm kind of pushing against and also what I want to figure out in my own head and 
and something that I have something to say about. So excellent. It, it, it's really timely that kind of like consent and um, mm. body autonomy as well. It's just so prolific in the media, isn't it? I mean, we've talked about this before, Amanda, how it's really important to have mm-hmm. those positive role models. And um, second, when we talked about, when we talked about Moxie and having those female um, role models really inspire younger people because we've, we've mm-hmm. read problematic books on the podcast before and we've struggled with them and it's nice to actually have the antidote actually being there in the world on the bookshelf for having that positive having that positive role model there mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's very different than it used to be too um, you know I think how how teens talk about those things mm-hmm. has changed somewhat <laughs> so i i felt when i was writing that book i i wanted to make it like the least erotic book about sex <laughs> you know about teen sex that there ever was you know? but not as a way of like trying to like preach at teens or trying to make it seem like uh you know like unpleasant or you know anything like that but just to really look at it honestly and be able to have a sense of humor about it too you know but but I also felt a little bit unqualified because I do think it, it has changed since I was a teenager, like how teens come to understand what sex is and like also just how they talk about it and, and sort of what it occupies in their mind, you know, is a little bit different yeah. than it used to be. So mm-hmm. it involves some research that made me very oh, uncomfortable. No. <laughs> just reading research, <laughs> just reading research, but... <laughs> thank you for the clarification (laughs) do you know what though everybody's journey especially when you're talking about teenagers and first times is completely different so you 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 say you feel unqualified but actually you're not because you've gone through experience and if you're writing with any element of personal experience then it's you know there's an honesty and a truth there and yeah sex is awkward sex is messy sexy sex is difficult and you have to have those conversations and yeah everybody's journey is very very different and that's even if you approach it when you're a teenager it's just as awkward when you're an adult (laughs) yeah um now i hope that you will write a story with like the lovable asshole bad boy guy like getting his comeuppance and everyone hating him you need to write that (laughs) that's what yes that's what you need to do next People dismissing that. Oh, it's just it was it, it, it's just a child, or boys will be yeah. boys. I hate that phrase. Mm-hmm. That phrase just gets needs to be shot down. Yeah. So you need to write a story, you know, where the where the bad boy isn't the love interest, and everyone hates him, and you know he gets his just desserts. That's what you need. That's what you need to write next. Ready? <laughs> go. <laughs> All right, I, I gotta go. <laughs> very busy. You have to get to work. I've never really liked to write about bad boys. Like I, I have been, you know, as a consumer of, of entertainment and fiction, I've liked stories about bad boys in the past, but I don't typically write about them, you know? So like my, generally speaking, I have a hard time writing about, in fact, it may be a flaw of mine as a writer um, about really decent young men. Like most of the time, I think Ethan's about as bad as any, as any male character I've ever written. I may not not write them flawed enough. <laughs> Make them worse. I like Dent. 
You you did such a nice, dense, lovely character where he doesn't, no pressure, he's complimentary, he's respectful. If you say no, he will take that as a response and he's not going to push. And that's what people need to see and mm-hmm. that is correct behaviour. Not the leather jacket wearing kind of, what you call the character out of, John Travolta's character out of Greece. No. No, we don't need to talk <laughs> no. about Greece. No. Yeah, that's right. Bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd probably like. I feel like every... Nick then in in the with you all the way because that is yeah. Dent. Dent is basically a version Ooh, okay. of that, you know. So, cool. all right, nice. I think I feel like as I don't know about you guys, but as I'm getting as I'm getting older, I'm getting more cynical over people's behavior, and I'm like, no, I need good behavior, not bad behavior. Stop being. Stop being a jerk. Stop being a garbage person. I'm, I feel I'm more demanding as I'm getting older. <laughs> that's good. I think that's it a good thing. Sucks. It does, but it's so tiring. <laughs> Everything hurts. Hmm. I always love those characters, though, and now like I feel bad about loving the lovable asshole. You like you've made me see the error of my ways. You know, I, I there's a difference between a lovable yeah. asshole and an asshole, though. Well, and I do think it's role play, right? Like it's like, it's it's safe to see those people in mm-hmm. fiction, right? Like, so it's a way of like, I, I think there is some damage to like romanticizing a relationship in which, you know, like these men are, you know, these boys, these bad boys are terrible and hurting the characters. I think that is, there is some danger to it, but it, it feel I think the reason why people like it is because it's a safe way to experience something like that, yeah. you know, like because you're just yeah. reading it. Um, so there's this element of of safety to it, not that you would ever want that in your own life, but I don't know. It is troubling because I too, I you know, I've liked I've liked stories like that. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm as susceptible to it as anyone else. I really just like the sarcastic, terrible characters. Yes, but you're fighting against it. I don't, I don't love for a you know a guy to be a shitty boyfriend. That's I don't fine. love that. I don't like that at all. But I just like, you know, the asshole guy who's in the background, you know, being a jerk to everybody, but he's also really sweet at the same time. Give me that. Give me more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, because that, that, that person can still ask for consent and respect boundaries. So that's fine. It's just, you know, every, I enjoy cynicism and sarcasm and, you know, cutting wit and judgment, talking. You know, you know when you sit and watch people and you're just like, well, that's their story and that's their story. And you're creating horrible backgrounds for these people. But it doesn't make you a horrible person. It's your actions at the end of the day. Yeah. That's the lovable side of being the asshole. Be the lovable asshole, not just the yeah, asshole. Definitely. And I wish I had a pound for every time. I know. I, I feel like you're just saying it now more. At- <laughs> I've said it more unusual too. Like everyone, let's just say <laughs> asshole for the next five minutes. Just constant, just constant Okay, we don't need to do that. Can you tell us um, anything that you're excited about? And it doesn't necessarily have to be book related, but we do love hearing book secrets. Which you probably won't be able to tell us, but come on, tell us book secrets. Sure. Um, well, one thing I'm excited about is I am actually working on the screenplay for Holly what? Chase. That's right so now. much fun. Um, so... 
<laughs> it hasn't really gone anywhere yet. It, like for years, it's kind of volleyed back and forth um, through the Hollywood scene. But there isn't a story of mine that I that I feel is more qualified to be a film. You know, like to me that the story is very visual and and out of all of the books that I've written, um, this is the one that I think is the most, it makes the most sense to me for it to be made into a film. So, um, so I'm back on the, like, it's in development, it's being worked on, you know, and, and they're letting me be a big part of it this time. So that's, that's really nice. So I'm very excited about that, but it doesn't mean anything really, but (laughs) it's exciting to work on. And, um, and at the same time, they're also making decisions like that about my Lady Jane. There's been several scripts of that that have been written for a TV series. And um, so my, our fingers are crossed about that, too. And we're just waiting. for the Like, we're at that point now where we're, like, waiting. And it's either going to absolutely happen or it is going to be a dead project. So, like, it's one of those two things is going to happen soon. We have high hopes. <laughs> so that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's that's very, very exciting. Um, and then for me, this time of year, I'm always excited by knitting because I'm always knitting so much. Like all these gifts are being knit, so that's giving me a lot of fun and joy right now. That's too, exciting. So. I don't have those skills. Oh, I don't have the that's, knitting that's... skills. I can do a <laughs> lot of weird stuff, but I can't do anything like stringy, string art. I can't do any of that stuff. <laughs> jealous Make, makes me jealous I'm jealous of your strings thread yes. related I've got a mother for that yeah. I mean I can sew I can she sew with a sewing hat. machine that's still a skill yeah I've always wanted to learn how to sew I don't I can do it um, but I have almost no experience with it so like yeah, it's only an emergency like I made you know, masks mm. for my family, like, a year and a half ago or whatever. And, like, it was the first time I busted my sewing machine out in, like, eight years. You know? But I, so I don't have very much skill. I would love to learn how to sew. That would be great. It's been years since I've sewed. My mum's got the, my mum knits, my mum crochets, my mum sews, and she's always like, I'll teach you the skills. I'm like, ah, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really should learn properly. I really, I, I did do our Halloween costumes one year, so it is a, it is a skill I'm very jealous of people being able to do. Hot glue guns. You can rule like the it. world with hot glue guns. I'm not. If you've ever watched, wait. Well, if you've ever watched Drag Race, there's always that one queen who doesn't know how to do anything sweet or anything like, and just hot glues everything, and that would be me. You, on the other hand, Amanda would be able to saw up a storm and Cynthia you just mm-hmm. knit the entire outfit yeah. so it's fine <laughs> I do love a good hot glue gun too though fun. can I have one in a holster just pull it out yes I recently got a new one and it is a cordless hot glue gun I'm very that excited interesting. <laughs> not that I hot glue much at all but it is a go to thing now yeah there's nothing quite like burning yourself Oof. with hot glue, though. Like, oh, uh, and especially like when you—it's <laughs> a very particular. Oh, it is, pain. and like you automatically want to peel off all the hot glue because it's burning your skin off. But it's worse. Like you need to let it cool for a second, else you're going to take your fingerprints off too. Like, 
It's like you have to suffer. You have to suffer with it for just a little bit before you peel it off. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> but now I want to glue stuff. So. <laughs> Get my glue gun out. Um, oh, I want to ask you something about um, about your Holly Chase screenplay. Like, have you fan casted anyone? Have you put anyone in it? Who do you see in your head? No. I, you know, whenever I cast a movie in my head, I always want to actually use teenagers to be teenagers. So that's yeah. always hard because so, but like if I were fan casting it out of like anyone in time, I think I would choose like Emma Roberts, like from some mm -hmm. years ago, you know, like she would be great. Um, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, she does that sort of walks that line, I think, that Holly does so well that you can sort of feel for her and be sorry for her and root for her and then have her be absolutely yeah. rotten at the same time. Like, I think she does that very well. So, but I do think that she's probably a little bit too old to play that part yeah. now, you know? So it's like some teenager walking around who is the embodiment of like Emma Roberts, you know, five seven yeah. years ago you know like when she was a teenager yeah <gasps> oh amanda if there's a if the, if they make it then they might make the scenes with evangeline's yeah wow. oh yeah we were talking mm -hmm. about that how we really want to watch that movie as an actual movie yeah yeah as someone who's like seen this like has the screenplay going i don't think evangeline sloan's gonna it. make it <laughs> I know. No. <laughs> I mean, we'll see, you know, but um, I like that story Can you write too. the story then? Write the story of, of, of it and then <laughs> Evangeline's and then Hollywood's like, yeah. oh, we need to do this. This would be great. And then we can see all Very the meta. movies. That would be insane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is there going to be... No, we're, we're not. not demanding. We're not. Is there going to be a creepy Yvonne yeah. with all of her pearls? Because I need that to happen. And okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I think I think Yvonne is a huge part of why Holly ends up the way that she is. So, like, um, years ago, someone was developing it as a screenplay, and they cut uh, Yvonne from it altogether. And I think that was yeah. a big mistake. Yeah. Ooh. Like. Yeah. Um, because How I, can you cut the Marley? Yeah, like, well, I just don't think you can understand Holly without Yvonne, right? Like, um, and and like her at all. Like, so, yeah, I think I think we need Yvonne in the story. And she's just in that same way that I found sort of Holly delightful to, to write about because she's so wicked. I think Yvonne is, is even yeah. funnier, you know, to write about. And so, yeah. No, Vaughn's not going Good. anywhere. <laughs> Good. I always imagined um, Vaughn as um, Portia de Rossi, Ellen DeGeneres' wife. She is. But I always remember her from um, Ali McBeal. And she sure. does this kind of... I don't know why. There's something about her poise <laughs> and the way she can give like a scathing look. That That's how I pictured Yvonne in my... When I when I read it, I don't know that 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 I'm not casting her at all, but that's how I always saw Yvonne was Portia de Rossi. Yeah, that's a good one. 
I think I, I pictured her as like an evil Rachel Zoe, you know, so like. That would also be good. <laughs> That's fun. See, and now that we know that, you know, it's like in production again, or it's, you know, it's in these phases again, like we can start dreaming of new characters to be like current people who would actually right. make sense. And we have a whole lot more to, to dream about for the future. It's exciting. <laughs> there might be a Christmas movie. I know. If this becomes a thing, it will be the one and only Christmas movie that I like. So that's putting a lot on your shoulders, but I need you to go ahead and take care of that. <laughs> okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh. All right. Oh, my gosh. We've probably kept you long enough. It's a it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was fun. I really enjoyed Thanks this. Thanks for joining us. Where can everybody find you? Um, Where are you on socials and the internet? I am. Not your address. Um, that's just perfect. I'm mostly on Instagram. I dabble. Like, I occasionally check Twitter. Um, and I, I but, but mostly I, I'm on Instagram. So... And that sort of just sort of depends on how many like deadlines I have and what I'm working on to like how active I am there. I'm not very good at being consistently there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, check your Instagram for any updates on new releases because I'm sure you'll pop on when you do have yes. a book coming out. Yeah, if I have actual news, I've been very good at it at certain times. Just now, it's one of those times. But like, um, but yeah, I will. I will definitely put any major news up on Instagram. Nice. Awesome. Perfect. That's so exciting. Okay, thanks. Thanks a bunch for joining us. You're wonderful. Thank you. As yes, always. Thanks for having me. Oh, all right. It's always fun. Well, um, Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. Until <laughs> the next book release where we force you to come back and talk to us. <laughs> yep Yay. i'll be there all right <laughs> bye 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 thank you bye so that's it for this bonus episode of fictional hangover i'm amanda and i'm claire join us next time as we discuss the short story the christmas spirits by grady hendrix in our live episode on december 19th make sure you join us for that it's gonna be super special Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no ER. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>